This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. If you've ever been to Times Square, you can conjure up memories of how chaotic and bustling that vibrant hub really is. This is the mecca of OOH or out of home marketing. Thousands of individuals packed into a confined space with endless advertising opportunities. Norm Chait, director of out of home product and sales at Quotient Technology, regales us with the tale of his work on a campaign from Microsoft that hit the big city. But more importantly, he has a career's worth of insight about OOH and exciting details about the ways that data is changing the game in OOH. We did a program a number of years ago where we were introducing the next operating system for Microsoft. And there was the largest consumer event in the history of New York City. That was exciting in and of itself, the ability to take over Times Square, the ability to own every screen in the square, 40 plus screens all synced together, having the physical on the ground experience of all the different hardware displays and across all the different solutions that they brought forward and giving people physically interacting and having what was happening on the ground go up on the larger screen. I was like, this is what I do, this is what I love to do. It's bringing a brand experience to life in a unique way that people look back like, oh my God, that was amazing. There's a lot of value for companies, especially in the CPG space, to consider out-of-home advertising, no matter the size of their business. There's so much happening in the world of -of out-of-home and Norm has the insight. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Marketing Trends. Thank you for stopping by. This is your host, Jeremy Bergeron, Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And today, I've got a very special guest, Norm Chait, Director of Out-of-Home Product Sales, now Quotient Technology, formerly UBMO. Norm, welcome to the show. Jeremy, hey, good morning. Really happy to be here. Excited to have this conversation and uh, love the interest in out-of-home. I'm a passionate guy as far as it relates to that space. So really excited to dig into those topics and, and share what uh, what I've been seeing in the marketplace and what we're seeing from our clients. I love it, man. I checked out an interview that you did uh, in September of 2020. You were, you were on a show called Marketing Today uh, with, I think, Alan Hart was the host of that show. And I listened to a good chunk of that show and kind of listening to some of the stuff you're sharing. I'm super interested in unpacking that. And I know there's going to be brands that want to know more about it. So, so let's, before we d- dig into the, the nitty gritty of, of what out of home is and, and how you're supporting your customers, I want to kind of know where this, where this spark got initiated for you. Like, where did this start for you? What did this interest in this either 
avenue start for you? Where does this begin? Book, brand, mentor? You know, I'd love to know where it started for Norm. Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I am not ashamed to say I'm a legacy out of home guy. I've been doing this for forever and ever. So always been excited about the space, always saw its potential. It actually started going to say over 20 years ago. So wow. um, don't often admit that. Um, <laughs> but uh, like I said, legacy, been doing this for a while, um, but always loved the space. And I think where it originated from is I started on the agency side in the traditional planning sphere, like working on digital and TV and out of home and print and everything else. And what I found was advertisers, you know, as, as much as they were spending millions of dollars in TV and some of these other media channels, they got really excited about the out-of-home space. And we might have done some little like 100K program on Metro North, giving out like coffee to commuters or through jetpacks and bring a brand to life. Like that's the part that they kind of kept playing back. Whereas we're spending so much more in other areas. Like what's this out-of-home thing that they keep getting so jazzed about? And, you know, an opportunity came up years later to really just focus 100% out-of-home. And I jumped in both feet, excited about it and never really looked back. Wow. Um, so the great part of that was that I was able to work at agencies that worked on blue chip clients. So larger budgets, more willingness to be innovative, you know, and bringing out a home to life across all those different product categories, whether it was automotive or CPG or whatever it might be. I found that the reaction to what we brought forward was very similar. This excitement about that human experience and the ability for people to interact with a brand in you know a physical space, so those things were, were, were I think what what kind of get me jazzed about this. I love it. Can you can you give an example or, or even tell a story about you know some of the brands you were working with, and some of the things you saw happen, the campaigns, and some of the activations, and and the results you saw too. So that's there's a ton of examples, right? But you know, even when um, we did a, pro, a program a number of years ago where we were introducing you know the next um, operating system for Microsoft and. It was a massive takeover of that's huge of you know and, and it literally was it was the largest consumer event in the history of New York City. Wow! So um, that was exciting in and of itself. The ability to take over Times Square, the ability to you know own every screen in in the square, forty plus screens all synced together. Wow! Having um, the physical on the ground experience of all the you know the different hardware displays and across all the different you know, solutions that they, they brought forward and giving people physically interacting and having what was happening on the ground go up on the larger screens. Like all these things were, wow. were the kind of things I was like, this is what I do. This is what I love to do. It's bringing a brand experience to life in a, in a unique way that people look back like, oh my God, that was amazing. And so they shut down Times Square for, for a period of time. That's amazing. Store opening as well, like, which was a pop-up. Like, so there was a lot of things that obviously went into those types of events, but man, I mean, how do you beat that? I mean, that's 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 legendary right there. That's a legendary, you know, experiential marketing uh, campaign there to shut down Times Square. Yeah, it definitely was amazing. Um, but at the same time, like what I do today is actually in some ways more fulfilling because what we I think lacked, however many years ago that was, was kind of the measurement piece. Like, all right, how many? What did it actually deliver? Mm. Whereas today, um, you know, it's a much more data driven. Um, approach. It's the, our ability to um, demonstrate the value of the out-of-home space and what it actually is, is doing for a specific campaign. So the fact that at Quotient now we're able to actually measure, starting with planning all the way through activation and actually bring measurement to our campaign 
those are the things that I'm I'm actually getting super thrilled about right now. And I know we'll, that's awesome. You know, we'll dive into that too. But I love that. That's super cool, man. So and I and I, I don't know. I I personally love your interest in my early days of this too, and seeing. I mean, you I've spoken to folks that their their sole focus is on kind of experiential marketing and doing stuff, setting up experiences for brands, and and I'm always, of course, curious about how brands are doing this well now in this kind of different world that we're in now, kind of post-pandemic, endemic, whatever side of the fence you're on, but how how are brands kind of evolving now in this space with out-of-home marketing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's totally reshaped the way people are thinking, to your point, right? I think um, we're starting to see, and granted, I'm a little biased in that I'm in primarily a programmatic space, so using data and technology and, and being more nimble, but I think what was happening over the last, you know, 18 months or so with, with COVID and the pandemic and it's changed the way people go to market. It's changed the way people physically leave their homes and where they go and you know where they visit. All of those things are, have been dynamically changed. So how does at a home now start to play a role recognizing that? And I think the pandemic is actually, in some ways, I think um, allowed us to fast forward on what programmatic can do. Their ability to just be more nimble, be more flexible, not knowing what tomorrow is going to look like. And, right. you know, the spikes we saw in one market allowed us to you know, shut things down there and move things to other markets. So being able to be more nimble like that, I think is really what, what we're starting to see. And I think where we're going to see uh, moving forward. Are you doing, are you seeing kind of more hybrid, hybrid things where, where you have to get more creative around remote things where you can't actually physically be there or what are you seeing that in that, in that world? I mean, just from a team and client interaction. Yeah, of course, everything is now much more remote. I think we're starting mm-hmm. to kind of see a little bit of that, coming back and our ability to physically connect live with people again. And there, there's still a ton of value and I can't wait for whatever the new normal is to actually right, right. become more um, face-to-face. But, you know, we've been, um, we've had our best year ever, even given the circumstance. And I think it's because marketers are starting to see that they do need to start to change the way they, they connect with their consumers uh, because those behaviors have shifted and, our ability to work remote, our ability to bring to light, you know, why there is a value proposition around this change um, and being able to prove it out on the back end has had meaningful results. So I think it's just helping helping our marketers, helping our client partners just understand what's different, how we used to do things versus why we we're doing it now and showing the data to support those, those decisions mm. has really resonated. And I think they're looking for some degree of accountability. Yeah. Right. Because there's certainly all this uncertainty. So confidence and accountability is key moving forward. What have you seen these legacy brands like Pepsi, you know, Johnson and Johnson, Albertsons, Walmart, Jergens? I mean, this the list goes on and on. What have you seen some of these legacy brands do in sort of changing their, you know, out of home and digital out of home campaigns or strategy in the last couple of years? Yeah. I mean, I think everything's been sort of flipped on its head. I mean, I think they're all trying to understand, you know, what if they're a um, sort of a category leader, you know, how do they stay top of mind um, when there might be supply issues, right? Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, so each one is is a unique case. And I think we were using the data to help guide what is the right screen, what is the right time, right place for that particular product or category. At Quotient, we are very, you know, one of our core strengths is, is the, the work we do on our retailer side of the business, right? So being able to support retailers, helping drive traffic to 
those specific brick and mortar locations because we we do find that 90% of people still like to go into the store. Obviously, e-com continues to be super important. How do we help elevate the visibility of that, even in the physical space, right? Letting people know that they can now shop online when they're out and about in the marketplace is another way that we are starting to help those brands find their shoppers in, in the new travel patterns and new behaviors that they're demonstrating. And I think, you know, where, where those legacy uh, marketers are seeing value is the data that we're bringing forward, right? So our ability sure. to understand, all right, here's what's changed. Here's where people are going. Here's the movement data that we're seeing. That's obviously very different than what we saw a year ago. Yep. Uh, it's refreshed every single, however often that client needs it. But let's say it's at least every month that we're sending them up refresh data and essential services have, have obviously been reprioritized because that's where people are going and being able to show them, right, the people who are going to these retailers these, who are buying these brands, here are the billboards are passing, here are the, the screens are exposed to. Very different from what you saw six months ago, eight months ago, a year ago. Sure. And being able to prove that out is what's, I think, helping them reshape where they're going in the future, where they're connecting with those shoppers. You know, example might be, you know, certain brands like the instant consumption brands of whether it's like gum, candy, soda, et cetera, less, less of a, I think they saw a decline at the, at the C store because many of those brands were purchased now at traditional grocery, right? So they're buying larger sizes. So how do we help them connect in those places when they're making those different shopping decisions? And now that, as those things are starting to come back, how do we show them the data that proves out that these are now, again, places for your, for your brand to live and breathe again? So. Mm. Where is the development of this of technology going? Like, what what do you expect to be able to track and measure with data? You know, in, in the next few years. Um, I think it's a great question. I don't know that anyone has the the perfect answer, just because there's obviously a lot of privacy discussions sure. and what will Apple and Android allow as far as our ability to understand mobile device movement, which is informing a lot of you know, it's, it's not the sole area, but it's it's, it's sort of the, uh, the core of how we understand where people are going, where they're spending their time, right? So, right. you know, the, the good news is we have a massive panel of devices that we see. It's all aggregated and anonymized, but it does inform a lot of the decision. And I think as some of that changes, I think we're going to start to sort of see a shift away from some of that more deterministic device tracking versus more of a probabilistic approach. And I think the quality of the data, the quality of those sources of, of where you're getting it, the, the cleaning of that data will, I think, ultimately surface who is the right partner to work with. And the folks who have been doing this the longest and are investing in this space, you know, I think panel sizes will, will start to, you know, obviously, I would assume get reduced, but the more we rely on probabilistic data, the, the better we need to be at cleaning and interpreting that data and making sure that we're still giving really valuable insights around behaviors and movement. Wow. What has maintaining really good CPG manufacturing relationships done for Quotient as they continue to grow? Because clearly, you know, with the acquisition of UBMO, I mean, they're not slowing down. What would you comment on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, CPG is, is a sweet spot for us. Sure. Um, while we do work across, you know, lots of different product categories, um, you know, CPG is, is a core strength, right? So our ability to come back to sort of that notion of accountability and confidence using data to show here's exactly where people are spending their time. Here's here are the products and, and categories that they're buying. Mm-hmm. Um, our retail partners are sharing sales data. So we see week over week trends. So as, as the weather starts to warm, oh, we see 
um, what we saw over, over the course of COVID, for example, like personal hair care products and, and razors and, and like, you know, people are cutting their own hair and, and going, you know, um, they couldn't go to the barber and hairstylist any longer. Then we start, mm-hmm. started to see, well, charcoal sales are starting to increase. So like our, our ability to see real-time trends and then tie that back to physical inventory is, I think, what our clients were, were really excited about, our ability to guide them as to what, where people are going, what they're buying, the trends that we're seeing help them feel like, hey, this is a space that we should be investing in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and early days, we definitely went into a little bit of a panic mode, like everyone's saying, hey, don't leave your home, shelter in place. And we're like, wait a minute, we're in the at-a-home business. Right, right. Like, that's what we do. <laughs> well, I guess let's yeah. clean up our PowerPoint decks. Let's like, you know, but we realized, wait a minute, we're sitting on amazing data that's clean, refreshed. It's Bingo. real time. It's yeah. So let's let's lean on what we do best. Let's let we we actually created a movement dashboard to help clients understand like here's where people are by market, by venue type. Uh-huh. And you know, we definitely saw the you know, the drop off in, you know, um, visitation, there was a flattening of the curve of the curve. And then there was this recovery and you can see it was very different market to market. Wow. But our ability to bring that back to our CPG clients and say, here's where the, the traffic is starting to come back to malls, gyms, grocery, drug, all the different spaces. Wow. You know, and we're not using last year's data because last year's data was is irrelevant at this point. So right. I think that's what was um, very telling. I think we also realized that if people were leaving their homes, the majority of times they were literally going to grocery. Yep, yep. Looking for CPG brands. So, yep. Digital Home was a was a unique opportunity to connect with those shoppers when they were literally actively thinking to stock up for their families. Sure. Right. So that was really important. That's awesome. What what stage see do these kind of CPG brands need to be at as a business to be you know to partner with Quotient and work with Quotient because we. You know, we we get some fast growth CPG brands that come on some other shows of ours, and some are more recognizable than others. And I'm curious about what yeah, what stage of the companies need to be at before they would be a good fit for you. I mean, our ability to you know execute a campaign for a digital home you know effort for any CPG, there's really little to no minimum. I think really? at the end of the day, we want to make sure, you know, like as far as being able to create a campaign. I mean, if somebody's had like you know 10k and they want to cover the entire country, probably not the right mix, right? But right. depending on what their budget is, it's it's understanding what are their KPIs? What are they trying to accomplish? Sure. What's their geography? Are they trying to, are they doing it in proximity to a retailer? Or are they just trying to do it in a, more of an awareness-based approach? So I think that's where we'll, we'll always try to bring value, mm. we'll guide them on budget allocation, geography, markets, proximity, all of those things and, and yeah. back into um, an approach that should be um, actionable. I love it. I mean, the the way that you're able to, you know, aggregate all this data to see how markets are moving that then will tell, hey, Mr. Customer, CPG brand, like we now know, you know, where people are physically going, how much time they're spending there. And you're able to do that across industries, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, obviously, of, of course we can use, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the, the strengths of that's huge. Uh, Quotient is, is that like, it's not limited to digital at home. I think right. I, personally, that's the, the space that I own, but obviously these audiences, um, you know, which we can build on the fly or just trend and see where, where they are can be applied across the, the different suite of, of products across um, the Quotient ecosystem. So I think that that part's been really, really exciting. Wow. So programmatic versus direct, like how do we decide which dollars are bucketed into which group? Yeah, it's it's a it's a great question. And I think I, I obviously come from a direct buying 
role for years at the agency side. And you know, there are certainly instances where we will get a brief and we'll look at it and like, guys, if, if you're looking for something as specific as what you're describing, this is a direct buy. Like programmatic has different value propositions, different um, benefits that they're going to bring. And we will help determine what is the right mix um, versus the two, right? I think what we're seeing is kind of this hockey stick year over year growth in programmatic. And I think what's driving a lot of that uh, sort of adoption is the complexity that has increasingly been the case, but even more so around out of home. So, you know, somebody will say, hey, I've got these 10,000 zip codes and creative A needs to be in in this zip code, creative B needs to be in in that zip code. This has to be in language in that zip code. And like the versioning that oftentimes is starting to come through, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's coming soon or available now, like all those different creative executions to do that in Excel and do that for across thousands of zip codes would take teams weeks versus wow. we get that uploaded and just, you know, and within a matter of minutes, we can give a plan back. So I think simplifying the complex will usually lead to programmatic executions. Um, there is certainly a convenience um, that we bring in that, you know, marketers are much more nimble and much more real time. So we'll get a brief on a Wednesday and they'll say, well, we need to be up on Monday. Can we do that? I'm like, if you've got creative ready, absolutely. Wow. So I think, you know, those things will will take a lot longer for a direct buy because you know there's just a lot of like RFPing and vendors and proposals back and whereas it's a one stop shop. Here's a brief. We upload it. Here's your screens. Here's your markets. Here's everything that fits your criteria. Here's why. Wow. Here's how they score against audiences. So those are the things that we're starting to see shifting dollars towards programmatic. Yeah, that, that's compelling. I mean, just the the intelligence that you're able to provide, you know, brands is so is so compelling, and it's like you're in some ways able to. Yeah, predict the future in some ways, it seems like, like really tell how you can position these brands to to help their consumers experience them in, in the right way, digitally or other or otherwise. And to be able to look at all that in one place and manage that and see growth. And that's pretty cool. I mean, I think yep. brands, yeah, would we'll see that as a real value add, certainly. You know, and obviously like direct buying and traditional out of home continues to be, you know, a big part of the industry, right? And I think we're starting to see this shift towards this desire to be more fluid between direct and programmatic. And there are instances where they're buying both at the same time. And there's some assets that they know they absolutely need to have. And programmatic is usually not guaranteed. You're bidding on inventory that scores high against an audience, but they absolutely need that board on the corner of 23rd and Lex. But that's what, you know, so buy that and buy the rest programmatically. And the ability to be fluid and offer that as a capability, I think is also something that we're starting to see evolve as a trend. Yeah. So we'll have to watch. What about brands that go, that are more D to C? Like, can they find as much value working with you as brands that are, you know, um, more omni-channel and they're in retail and they're in all these places? Yeah, I think it, it, it again, comes back to what they want to do. We're starting to see more and more of those those categories embrace um, the at-home space. And because we we do have data on, those types of products and where people go and the best place to reach them, we still obviously bring a lot of value. Um, then it's just understanding what measurement are they looking for and you know what's important to them, what kind of budgets are they working with. But I think I'd be hard pressed to find a category or an advertiser that we probably don't have a solution for. Okay. Um, just given the growth we see in at a home and its ability to connect with people where they're spending the most you know, majority of their time. You know, if you could just encapsulate this into or, or thinking about the challenges you help brands kind of overcome 
What's kind of some of the things that stick out to you is like, this is the big thing that we do for brands and the big challenge or challenges that we, we really serve them. Um, I think it's the ability to offer something that's end to end, right? So they might have pieces of the puzzle or have exposed, have been exposed to the different pieces. But I think the fact that everything we do starts from, from a planning, you know, as, as, as priority one, like let's understand who the category is, who the product buyer is. What are their behaviors? And then let us help you identify where they are. And so it's looking at the entire ecosystem of available assets and scoring physically every piece of inventory against that behavior, wow. right? So everything starts with an audience. And so whether it's a hair care purchaser or frozen pizza buyer, Honda driver, whatever it might be, we start with that, right? And you might get this very rich mix of billboards and gas stations and malls and gyms and all sorts of things. But then how do we make sense of the thousands of assets that potentially score high? So like our ability to literally down to the screen level, have a score for every piece of and like being able to categorize that, sort that, understand if creative is horizontal versus vertical. So giving them all of those different controls or, or levers to pull to make sure that the screens that ultimately make it onto a plan are exactly the right ones, both from a, you know, ability to connect with somebody who is a purchaser of your brand, uh, who we see on a regular basis, passing that inventory or exposed to that inventory, mm-hmm. and then bringing it all the way through to through activation. So our ability to deliver those ads in real time, using triggers like time of day, day of week, weather, temperature, like all those different cold cough, flu, allergy seasons, so all of those different things, depending on what the brand's looking for, reporting back on it, demonstrating you know delivery with all the, the data behind it, and then actually measuring its success. So We've identified the right board to reach that, you know, laundry detergent buyer. Did they actually see the board? Did they then go to a grocery store and purchase that particular jug of laundry detergent? That full end-to-end experience hasn't really been there for an at-home space, right? So that I think is is what's evolved, you know, their thinking around what at-home can do for them because, Mm -hmm. and, and it's also what what's differentiating, I think, quotient in that we are now tapping into shopper budgets and shopper teams. We continuously do you know, national buys and branding, equity building, but our ability to tap into sort of shopper teams, which are much more performance driven because we can deliver the measurement on the back end, I think has really been a real win. Mm-hmm. And our ability to also offer that to our agency partners who uh, are looking to unlock more CPG dollars and you know, being able to prove out efficacy um, and success. So all of those things, I think, are reasons why you know, we're seeing the growth that we are within Quotient. Who's the buyer? Is it the head of marketing for Quotient? Like who's who's the, the decision maker that buys Quotient or begins that relationship with you guys at these brands? So it, it depends on, in many cases, it's a brand manager at the CPG. Okay. Sometimes there's a specific, you know, shopper lead. So it could be a um, somebody who owns a specific retail partner. So, you know, they might have one retailer that they're focused on and all, all of those brands you know, they oversee all the different touch points, not just out of home. Cool. And then there's also the agency side who, you know, who's been tasked with either helping them with their shopper activations or their national activations. So sometimes it's a out of home buying team. Sometimes it's a broader investment team in an agency. Sometimes it's, it's client direct shopper team, brand manager, et cetera. Okay. This has been great, Norm. Thank you. I know for me, like to be able to see, like, I, I just would love to look at the data. Like, I, I love to look at markets and look at trends and seeing where are people going? How are things, how have things changed now with how people are interacting with brands and different, you know, at different levels? And me as a consumer interacting with lots of CPG brands, 
that's just cool that you have access to that kind of intelligence that I know is going to help brands just create a better experience for people to interact and then buy and buy their stuff and be really loyal. So I love the space that you're playing in. Thanks for being on the show. This has been awesome. Uh, let's move into the lightning round. Yeah. Okay. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com forward slash marketing. We have a lightning round with Norm Chait. Norm Chait, first question. If you had one message to get across to all mankind, what would you put on a billboard and where would you have that placed? Wow. Um, one message, I feel like, you know, I'm going to come back to what I feel as a country we, I think, need a little bit more of is kindness. I love that. So, uh, you know, there's definitely been a bit of an edge to, to folks in general, like just coming off of very unprecedented, you know, life experiences. So kindness, I think, is, is universal. I think the more we can keep that top of mind, let's, let's go there. Um, just because I'm an at-home guy by, by nature, I, I can't think of, you know, a bigger stage than Times Square just because, one, it's my home market, but I like it. it is the crossroads of, of the world, right? So you literally get everyone and hopefully more people will start to visit again, but that's really the epicenter. of It's the cathedral for out-of-home, so that's where I'm going. I love it. I love that. What is the most successful out-of-home or digital out-of-home campaign you've seen? You know, and I usually kind of go with my my gut. Like, I think the the things that like pop into my head right away. So like I thought of like Amazon just because I know they are increasingly touching so many different parts of our lives, you know, our shopping experience and just how we um, entertain ourselves and the content that we we start to consume. So I feel like they stand out as as one that continues to just change every behavior um, and ideally simplify it. I know my personal behaviors have changed as a result. So, you know, that's the one that that I feel is is the first one that came to mind. I like it. Okay. What do you do to keep up with trends? You know, I do try to, you know, read the trades and see what my colleagues are doing and the articles that they're posting, but it's it's like drinking from a fire hose. Um, all this content, there's there's too much of it. Um, so I think it's it's just staying close to our our industry, um, trade organizations, whether that's you know, the DPAA to, um, you know, the OAAA, like all of our different, you know, partners that are helping to drive the space forward. Um, I think the the makeup of those members is is also evolved, where before it was really just the agencies and the, and the operators, where now it's much more about all the peripheral services that impact that, whether it's mobile companies and data companies and, you know, you name it, they're all in the same room together and, and exchanging ideas. So that's really helping us keep uh, relevant and innovate you know, from a technology perspective. I love it. What's the best thing you've bought under $100? All right. So like the first thing that popped in my head was, was a nonstick frying pan. Nice. Like I love to cook. That's where my creativity comes out. So um, when I think I, I mentioned that in my other podcast, because that's literally the thing that I spend most of my time doing. If I'm not doing media marketing, I'm cooking. And um, it's all about having the right tools. So um, whether it's tools at work, tools at home, it's, it's super important. That's awesome. That's great. Okay. What is one brand you're loyal to? You know, I, I, I was born in, uh, in Latvia. So there's, as a result, there's like, you know, the Russian thing, drinking vodka. There's a bit of that, like I just part of my, my upbringing. So, but I have to say like Tito's kind of won me over. Yes. Shout out to Tito's. Always been a big fan, but uh I think that's the one that comes to mind as far as 
good product, especially when we're trying to have a little fun. That's awesome. Well, you know, me being in Austin, I'm I'm I'm, I'm bullish on Tito's. We, it's a, they're they're obviously huge here. So yeah. that's a good answer. By the way, where are you based? In New York City. You're in New York City. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, if you ever get down to Austin, let us know. We'll have Tito's in the studio and we can have a have a chat here, man. Norm Norm Chait, thanks so much for being here. This was great, and uh, we really enjoyed having you on the show. Jeremy, thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for all the great questions, and uh, really love love my time on the show. So very much appreciate it. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.